Welcome to the podcast of Leeds First Methodist Church. We are so glad you decided to tune in with us today. The following sermon was preached by Pastor Chris, and it is the first sermon in our church's Rock Solid Life series. If you would like to watch the entire worship service, you can do so by visiting our website at leadsfirst.org, and at the top of the page, go to Worship and click on Watch Worship Online. Well, good morning. My name is Chris Stallings. It's my privilege to get to be pastor and to pastor here at Leeds First Methodist Church. Today we begin a new series entitled Rock Solid Life. If I ask, is your life challenging? I would think maybe all of you would say, yes it is, right? There's challenges but to have a life that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you can endure the challenges, even to begin to thrive, you need a rock-solid faith. In this four-part series that we'll journey through in the month of May, we'll look at what it means to be able to weather the storms. There are four key topics that we'll cover, including today a spiritual home, rock-solid faith to do good, Enduring the trials and then being gifted by God's Spirit. We've got a key verse that will guide us that is kind of building into this metaphor of being a, a rock-solid life. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It reads, And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. So today, rock-solid life in a spiritual home rock-solid life in a spiritual home. Do you love being at home? I like being at home. Like if I've had a rough day at work or if you've had a rough day at school or your job, it's good to get to come home, right? Anybody like being at home? I like that, right? It's especially important if like there's a storm coming. Like if James Spann comes on and says, hey, you're in the polygon. And you're like, I'm going to get home or get inside and get to my safe place. It's important to have a home. Across the years of your life, do you remember the place where you felt most at home? Can you think of that place? You got it? <laughs> I remember the first time I felt like I was, had my own home. Y'all going to laugh. Yeah, it's okay. You can laugh. It was when I went away to college. I went to Auburn, and it wasn't fancy like the, the nice buildings they have for student housing now. Our place where I went anyway and live was a mobile home. <laughs> but it was my home, or it, was, it felt good to me because it had two bedrooms. So I had one on one end, and I could have a roommate on the other end, and so we didn't get into each other's business if we needed to. It had a living room that had a TV in it and cable which is a big deal because we grew up where we just had antenna. And so I felt good. Had a kitchen with a stove. You could cook stuff. Had a washer and dryer in it. I felt really good about that. It did not have a grill on the patio outside. And if you're a guy, you know, that's really what makes a home. And one summer, my mom came to, mom and dad came to visit, and it was on her birthday. And I said, I would love to be able to grill you hamburgers for your birthday, but I don't have a grill. And so my mom, being the caring, generous person she was, went and bought me a grill for her birthday. 
and it was a home finally. And as a home, I took care of it. Now, I have to admit, when I was growing up, I didn't always take care of the home that my parents gave me. I often left my clothes on the floor. I often left dirty dishes in the dining room table, in the living room, in my bedroom, you know. Often didn't do the best. But whenever I had my home, I started taking care of it. Like I literally did dishes and laundry on my own. I vacuumed the floors. I even mowed the grass and wiped off my grill. You know, it was good to have a home. I loved my first home. I took steps to care for it. I took steps to protect it. Even sprayed for bugs because ants love them some mobile home. You know, <laughs> what about a spiritual home? What does it take for us to have a spiritual home? Have you ever had that in your faith journey, in your life? A spiritual home is different from the, the physical home in which we live in because it's less about those physical aspects of it, the walls, the roof, the kitchen or living room, but more about the spiritual aspects of truth, of love, of faith. Like a good home for your family, a good spiritual home or a spiritual home has a sense of protection in a spiritual sense, a sense of growth, a sense of purpose. But unlike a home for your family, you don't sleep here at your spiritual home. <laughs> you don't get to bring your recliner and, you know, kick back. Although I see a couple of people with their feet on the chair. No, I'm just kidding. And less like at home where it's my house, my rules, right? In your spiritual home, it's God's house, God's rules, so to speak. So how do we have a spiritual home that leads or gives us the foundation for a rock-solid life? And so if you've got a Bible, I invite you to turn to 1 Peter or to turn on your Bible app, or if you've clicked on the link to the worship guide, the scripture will be in there. First Peter, in a moment, we're going to look at chapter 2. This is a book in the New Testament. It's written by the Apostle Peter to the churches in what was known as Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. And these were churches that were facing persecution for their faith in Jesus and the, the different or countercultural life that they lived. And because they were different or lived as followers of Jesus, they faced persecution or ostracizing in the community. And so Peter writes to them to encourage them to live the faith, to be reminded of their faith in Jesus, but also with some how-to to get into the meat of following Jesus as they journey. Sort of like, do y'all remember the little engine that could? Like, I think I can, I think I can, I think, this, is that just me? Y'all remember that little book, you know? And so Paul's writing them and says, I think you can, I think you can, I think you can, and a little bit, here's how you can, here's how you can, or live that life of faith. And so in chapter 2, we see the reliance upon faith in Jesus, resurrection, a reminder, remember, Jesus was persecuted. But he rose from the death, and that's the foundation of our faith. And so, with that faith in Jesus firmly in hand, here's how you might live. Let's look now to 1 Peter chapter 2, 
We'll begin reading in verse 2 through 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 reads, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk, so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's goodness. You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Verse 5. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. Chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 7. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they do not obey God's word. So they meet the fate that was planned for them. Verse 9. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. A holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as people. And now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy. Now you have received God's mercy. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. This whole book of 1 Peter is presented as a kind of contrast between what following Jesus in that life looks like and the the culture around. And here again in verse 9, we see another contrast drawn where he says, but you are not like that. You're not like those who have rejected Jesus. Those who do not follow his teaching. Those who are stumbling over him. But you who follow Jesus do not stumble. It lists some ways in which you are blessed by following Jesus. It says you are a chosen people. It says you are royal priests. You are a holy nation. You are God's own possession. This list includes elements of the Jewish tabernacle or temple, but not so much the physical dwelling of that. If you read the Old Testament, you saw a lot of the dimensions and the heights and widths and what goes into making the physical. Here it's saying these are the people or the roles of being in the presence of God, and you who follow Jesus are in the very presence of God by the fact of your faith in following Jesus. Now, those who follow Jesus, you have the presence of God with you wherever you go. Be assured of that, that when you trust in Jesus, if you're here in church or if you're at home or if you're at work or if you're at school, the presence of God is with you wherever you go. And then it goes on to say, it's for a purpose. As a result Verse 9 reads, so that you can show the goodness of God to others. And so when you're living your life and you're out in the world, outside the 
temple or the physical building of God's house, you have God with you so that you can shine his light. It says, out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And so whenever you have the presence of God through faith in Jesus in you, you now reflect that light that God has shone on you out into the world so that they may also have faith in Jesus, so that they may become reflectors of his light. Let's look now at how faith in Jesus helps us to have a rock-solid faith in a spiritual home. If you got your worship guide open or out, it's a good time to follow along. There's places for you to take notes or fill in the blanks and follow along, and it might be helpful to you as you journey. Number one, a spiritual home to grow. A spiritual home to grow. Verse 2 reads, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. I don't know if there's any experts in neonatal or baby, any experts in the house. I'm not that way. Like before our daughter was born, I knew more about how to take care of baby cows or pigs or puppies you know is anybody ever nurse a baby animal you know I mean I was like well you just put them in the litter and anyway but I learned shortly after our daughter was born that newborn babies if they're born at like six pounds something ounces that may actually go down in the first few days or weeks after they're born and you're like ah you know dear anybody remember that and then they say after you get home, it's, oh yeah, we might have forgot to tell you that your baby's going to lose some weight. And you're like, okay, okay, if it's, even when it's normal. And I can't explain exactly what all is happening. Maybe they're getting rid of some of the fluid they had in vitro, and maybe they're still learning how to eat, right? Sometimes babies are not like, even though it's good, they don't know how to do that. And so you've got to teach them to take the bottle or to feed with mom. And in doing that, you enlighten them to being like, woo. This is good stuff, right? Anybody ever seen a baby take a bottle? <laughs> it's like, you better make sure you want that bottle before you try to take it from them, right? Because once you start, you're in, right? They're not going to give it up. But once they know how to eat that good milk and nourishment, it helps them grow. And it's not long if things are normal for them to start growing and thriving. And doing that, they can grow into what God wants them to grow into. I don't know if you've ever drawn that analogy to your spiritual journey, but there's something like that in our faith life. When we first come to faith, sometimes it feels like we got to give up something, and then God says, okay, and now I'm going to grow. Right? Like God may say you need to leave some baggage behind when you come to faith and start following Jesus but God wants you to grow and so you might give up those things that distract you from God or are sin in your life they're not God's best for you but then you start taking on the things that are God's goodness and that helps you grow and he uses the metaphor like a baby craves newborn milk excuse me like a newborn baby craves milk crave that nourishment from God but there's a second part to verse 2. It's important to your faith journey to know that you're not only born anew in Christ, but you're born to grow in Christ. You're meant to grow up into the full 
experience of salvation. That implies that it's not a one and done thing, right? You don't just get born. God wants you to grow, to take on more and more of God's character in your life, to love God more and more as you grow, to love God's people more and more as you grow, to take on his wisdom and his knowledge and his character so that you may become more and more like the image of Christ. And so as you journey in your faith, if you've just been born, take the milk of nourishment from God. If you've been born and it's been days or weeks, God is inviting you to take on the character of Christ and go on to the good stuff. A spiritual home to grow. Number two, a spiritual home to weather the storms. A spiritual home to weather the storms. Verse 7, the second part reads, But those who reject him, the, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. But for those who rejected him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. I told you all a little bit about my first home. In hindsight, it would probably not have been my dream home, although it felt like a home. It did have one downside to it. In the midst of a storm, those are not the best places to be. All right, I can remember one spring, the storms were rolling in, and the weather sirens started going off. And I remember looking around my home for my safe place and thinking, I'm not sure there is one, right? If you're in a mobile home or a trailer, there's not really a good place. And so I decided while the sirens were going off, I was going to hop in my car and drive as fast as I could to the front of the little village where we were set up to the clubhouse for the community. It was a block or concrete block building, had the office, had the mail room, had a little room for groups to gather. And several of us decided that was the best place to be. And so we had a little a tornado party in the middle of the, no, we didn't do anything like that. But it was a thing I went there because afterwards my mobile home wasn't damaged, but others had tree limbs that did, like, you know how they karate chop in two? Or wind had blown them down or trees down. And so it provided a safe place for us to weather the storm. And in a metaphorical way, that's what Paul is writing about here, is you need a safe place to weather the storms of life. In an extension of that metaphor, he says Jesus Christ is the cornerstone for that safe place in your faith. Some of us might not know what a cornerstone, but in a block or concrete, excuse me, a stone building in that day, it was the straightest, most strongest stone. Straightest, most strongest, anyway. And they used it to set the, the plumb line, so to speak, to where the building would be straight. And if the cornerstone was straight and the cornerstone was strong, the whole building had a chance to be strong. And if it wasn't, the building might be crooked and fall or crumble because it wasn't strong. And in a twist of irony, Peter writes that you said, Jesus, they said, wasn't a good cornerstone. If you recall in his life, although he did no wrong, they had him arrested. Though at trial they could find no guilt in him, they had him executed by nailing to a cross. He says, for those people who've rejected that he's not any good, 
is a stumbling block. But for those of you who put your faith in him, he is your cornerstone. And your faith is solid in him because you remember on the third day, after they did all that to him, he rose from that death. I don't know if Jesus looked back and was like, (laughs) you know, but in a sense, he was like, God's with Jesus. And if you put your faith in him, you will have a rock-solid faith that will journey with you through the storms of life in that triumphant victory of Jesus rising from the dead, you have the assurance of his power that he will be with you to weather the storm. A rock-solid faith in a spiritual home to weather the storms. Number three, a spiritual home to have identity. A spiritual home to have identity. Verse 10 says, once you had no identity as a people, but now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received mercy. I don't know if y'all have heard the term identity politics. Have y'all heard that? Merriam-Webster defines it like this. It says, identity politics are groups of people having a particular race or religion or ethnic or social or cultural identity. And they promote that at the expense of other groups. Ironically, (laughs) I've observed that politics itself has become a kind of identity for many Americans. And in many cases, when the individuals or even the parties say, we identify with you, vote for me or us, when they get elected, they vote for what benefits themselves, right? And it washes away the identity that's in you. St. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines just identity as the distinguishing character or personality of an individual. In other words, it's the character of the person that distinguishes them or gives them identity. And for those who follow Jesus, our character is to be primary and foremost defined by our faith in Jesus. Jesus. Faith in Jesus to define what we worship. Faith in Jesus to give us a call and a purpose. Faith in Jesus to practice both personal and social holiness. Faith in Jesus to define truth and define love. Identity as God's people means every other secondary identity. Things like our politics, things like the community we live in, things like our career or culture are under the authority of God. And if those secondary identities ever conflict with our identity as God's people, we got to quickly say, Mm-mm, my identity's in Him, not in those other things. We must cling to our identity as followers of Jesus above all of all and in doing that have an identity that gives us a rock solid faith let's pray god thank you so much for the blessing of jesus thank you for the purpose for which you have called us in him 
I thank you that you give us a life that is born anew in him and then the nourishment to grow. Help us to lean into you even in the hard times that we may weather the storms. Rooted in the character of identity as followers of Jesus. Give us your strength. Give us your courage. Give us everything in you. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love for you to visit us in person at 8.45 a.m. for modern worship or at 11 a.m. for traditional worship. If you would like to plan a visit, simply text the word CONNECT to the number 205-772-4906 and you'll be sent a link to get you started. Thanks again, and God bless.